catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. This is Adam Carricker on the ticket. Position right of the quarterback out of the shotgun first and 20. Jailbreak screen in the air. It is tipped. It is intercepted by Carricker at the Missouri 21-yard line. Live from the heart of Lincoln, America, eight-year NFL vet and All-American defensive lineman Adam Carricker. I feel like I got a pretty good base of knowledge of college football, so I get a couple of random questions off the wall out of nowhere from fans, and I'm nail, a nail, a nail, and then I get asked about, I don't know, where the 96 Fiesta Bowl. They're like, Adam, who played in it? Who won? What were they ranked? What were their records? And I got it right, but when Rico looked it up, by the way, I guess he's having vacation in Florida now with, with Derek Pearson, so enjoy your vacation down there. No, they're, they're covering the Final Four in volleyball. But when Rico looked it up, it didn't match what I said, even though I knew I was right. And then I looked it up, and it didn't match, and it didn't make any sense. At the very end, I thought I figured it out, but once we went off the air, Rico texted me. All right. And so what I said was that the Fiesta Bowl for the 96 season, off the top of my head, just a random question from a fan that I was asked, put on the spot, do I really know what I'm talking about? Usually not, but did I, did I know this? And I felt like I nailed it. But Wikipedia, because everything you read on the internet is right, was telling me I was wrong, even though I knew I was right, and it was driving me nuts. So after the show went off the air, because I said, the 90, January 1st, 1997, the 96 Fiesta Bowl, I said it was Penn State's. Two losses, top 10 somewhere. I didn't know, remember where they were ranked exactly. Played an 8-4 and four Texas team that was ranked in the 20s somewhere the year they upset us in the Big 12 title game, yada, yada, yada. And I, did, I didn't remember the score. I just said that Penn State mollywop Texas. And when I looked it up and when Rico looked it up, that is not what Wikipedia showed. What Wikipedia showed was Kansas State beating Syracuse, the champions of the Big East Conference, which exists in basketball, but not in football, 35 to 18. And I was, I was, I was kerfunkled because I'm like, man, I'm not always right, but I'm pretty sure I got this right. So then Rico sends me a text literally 90 seconds after we're on air. And he says, hey, let me find this. He said, there's two Fiesta Bowls that were played within the calendar year of 1997. One played on January 1st. The other played December 31st later in the year so the one that rico and i happened to both look up you know because we did on wikipedia now that i look at it it says fiesta bowl 1997 january and the fiesta bowl 1997 december 31st basically a year later and that is the kansas state versus syracuse fiesta bowl that we kept seeing which was really for the 97 season just played on december 31st 1997 and then you know i read a little bit more and it was like, oh, there's a Fiesta Bowl January 1st, 1997. And that was the Penn State team, ranked number seven. So I was right somewhere in the top 10. Two losses, got that part right. Eight and four, Big 12 champ, Texas Longhorns. Ranked 20th, so I was, I was right there. And they got Molly Wap 38 to 15. So that bothered me to no end after the show because I take pride in, you know, at least being right in the few things I think I'm right in. You know, and if I'm wrong, I'll admit that too. But that just, that bothered me to no end. So I had to write that wrong really quick because that matters to nobody but me. But this is my show. So that's what we're going to do here. All right. Now, before we light this candle and get into stuff that really matters. All right. 
Remember, GE Landscape Supply has pavers and boulders. Great accents for any backyard landscaping project. They sell to homeowners and contractors, and they deliver anywhere, near or far. Stop by at 6701 Corner Square Highway. Check out GELandscapesupply.com or call 402-467-1627. Also, check out everything 93.7 The Ticket is doing, whether it's Facebook, Twitter. Click the subscribe, subscribe button on their YouTube channel. And if you got nothing better to do with your time, you can check out characterchronicles.com and or click the subscribe button on my YouTube channel. It's where all your football and volleyball hopes and dreams will come true. It's just science. All right. Now, let's get into volleyball. All right. You want to talk about Molly Whopping. I mean, that's a good pit team they played last night. They were a number one seed for a reason. The number four overall number one seed because I believe it went Nebraska, Stanford, then Wisconsin. Then Pitt was the fourth overall seed, but the, a number one seed in their bracket, so to speak. All right. They sweep them three to nothing. And that was crazy to me. And Pitt's a battle-tested team. They're a veteran team. They got experience in the Final Four. When you compare their experience to Nebraska's experience, I mean, they have a decided advantage. You know, so I'm I'm complimenting Pitt because they're a good team, which makes it that much more insanely impressive what Nebraska did to them, sweeping him 3-0. Really, the first set wasn't close. The third set wasn't close. It was just the middle set where we I think we won by two points, and that was it. That was even relatively interesting to watch. Well, it was all interesting to me because I'm a Husker volleyball fan. But if you're just a general volleyball fan, that's the only one you would have found interesting. All right, so Nebraska sweeps Pitt 3-0. They blocked the Panthers 15 times, two shy of their season record, which was 17 versus Arkansas in the Elite Eight. All right, so we're going to play our good old buddies, Texas. Yes, I announced it, announced it that way on purpose, but you can't get mad at me because it's Texas, Texas. All right, they. I was shocked. What I what I saw them do to Wisconsin, it was crazy. That's that's a that's not a good Wisconsin team. That's a great Wisconsin team. Uh, I felt like it was one of those nights for Wisconsin where they just it was not their night. Every once in a while, you go out and you, it's just not your night. The second time Nebraska volleyball played Wisconsin up in Madison, it was just not Nebraska's night, and it was Wisconsin's night that night. If you watch that, now Texas is a really good team. Wisconsin is probably the tallest team in the Final Four. Not probably. They are the tallest team in the Final Four. And so they always have the height advantage on whoever they play 99% of the time. But if you watched, okay, just, just my observation, I, they have an insanely insane height advantage. They're incredibly good, well-coached, great program. All right. I felt like when you compared how they moved on the floor, their movement, and I, I don't mean no disrespect to this, it's just what I saw, their athleticism compared to Texas. I felt like Texas's athleticism and dare I say explosiveness was a decided advantage in Texas's uh, favor. So now Texas gets to defend their national championship, the a two seed in their bracket. Okay, they're gonna they're gonna face Nebraska volleyball on Sunday, and I'm pumped about this part. It's not Saturday, which is when the championship normally is for volleyball. It's on Sunday, and for the first time ever, it's on network te network television on ABC. So I'm pretty pumped about that. It's about freaking time. This is the most viewed regular season in women's volleyball history. By the way, they had nearly twenty thousand people at the Final Four last night. Okay. And I believe two of the most watched volleyball matches of all time happened this season. Okay. And obviously the most attended one ever when Nebraska set the world record, 92,003 people at a women's sporting event when they played UNO Memorial Stadium. So it's a pretty cool thing. So I'm pretty pumped about that. The women are finally getting their due a little bit more as should be happening. Now, 
You watch Texas dismantle, dismantle Wisconsin in four sets, now with the chance to defend their title from last season. All right. Nebraska is 2-0 versus Texas in title matchups all time. They're 3-2 versus Texas in their last five meetings. All right, now this is the 11th time in Husker volleyball history that they will be playing for a national title. They have five national titles. All right, so they're 5-5 five five all time. And John Cook, the AVCA Coach of the Year. All right, this is his, his opportunity to get his fifth national title as a head coach and the volleyball program's sixth national title here in Nebraska. I right, checked that out on Sunday afternoon on ABC. Now let's talk a little Nebraska football. All right. Dylan Riola is visiting this weekend and Kyle McCord is no longer an option for Nebraska. There's all sorts of speculation. What happened? What went wrong? Okay. And I'm just going to tell you things that have been thrown out for anybody to hear. So this isn't specific to my ears. You know, maybe Kyle McCord's dad was a problem. He was kind of that way at Ohio State is a rumor that I've heard. You know, maybe he doesn't want to come in and compete, which I find funny because he literally had to battle and compete two games into the season before he was named the starter at Ohio State. Okay, maybe the NIL deal fell through. You know, it, what I am hearing that I trust a little bit, I think it was a little bit more of Matt Rule's decision than maybe Kyle's. Okay, at least that's the information out of everything that's been thrown out there that I trust a little bit. Okay, uh, I feel like that is something. That may have been a little bit more of Matt Rule's decision. And if that's the case, hey, he's got to do what he feels best for the program. All right. Obviously, as everyone knows, we went from the hype of two quarterbacks, five stars, to the hope of at least one. Because now it's kind of like, well, you know, Daniel Kalen, he's taking a visit to Michigan State. Can't blame him. You know, and I've talked about how much I like that, that kid on the Chronicles, on social media. You know, Dylan commits to Georgia. They call Daniel. He flips immediately to Nebraska and then peer recruits about half this recruiting class. Okay, and he's made it clear this is his dream school. Now Dylan shows interest. All right, Nebraska's showing interest, obviously. You know, so Dylan, you know, hasn't said much other than he's going to take a trip to Michigan State. Uh, uh, Daniel, I'm sorry. Daniel's going to take a trip to Michigan State. So we'll just see how this all plays out because now I see people freaking out that, oh, my God, we went from two potential Elite 11 quarterbacks in the same room, which would have been Dylan and Daniel. I don't know if that was ever going to work out or two potential five-star guys and Kyle and Dylan, you know, and now that's definitely not going to happen to man. If Daniel goes to Michigan State or somewhere else and Kyle's out, hopefully Dylan, you know, commits because then, then what? You know, you look at some of the transfer portal quarterbacks that are still out there. All right. And just a little bit of an update, you know, uh, and Jake, let me know if I'm wrong on any of this. Will Howard at Kansas State is not declared anywhere. Kyle McCord, obviously, you know, not an option for us, but he's still out there for someone else. Dylan Gabriel to Oregon, Cam Ward, who is actually out of everyone. And I know people love Dylan Gabriel for obvious reasons. Cam Ward is actually the guy that I would have ranked as the number one transfer portal, transfer portal quarterback in this entire class. Okay. And I love the fact that he basically went from a zero start, I think a five star in the transfer portal as far as his ratings. All right, you look at Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina, kid I, I've watched for years. All right, unknown where he's going to go. Riley Leonard's obviously going to Duke after, I'm sorry, leaving Duke, going to Notre Dame after Notre Dame took Sam Hartman from Wake Forest last year. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, if I'm Notre Dame, at some point, I got to stop doing this rent-a-quarterback stuff for one year at a time and start developing some of my own guys. And I know we've had umpteen Heisman Trophy winners and umpteen Heisman Trophy finalists that are transfers. But it, for Notre Dame specifically, it feels like a one-year rent-a-quarterback. Like, how do you develop anybody? Even Can you just have them for two years, so to speak? All right. Uh, DJ Ugalele, you know, he's gone from Oregon State, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami to Wisconsin. All right, Will Rogers, Mississippi State, Dante Moore, UCLA. All right, you got the Georgia quarterback, Brock Vandergriff, going to Kentucky. All right, Blake Schappen uh, from Baylor to Michigan State, or it says MSU. I'm not sure if that's Michigan State or Mississippi State, actually. All right, and MJ Morris at NC State. We're not sure where he's going. At this point, like, I don't know exactly, and I, I know, all right, uh, Casey Thompson was seen back in Nebraska recently. You know, is that because he's a possibility? Is that because he's seeing some of his friends that he made in college while he was here? He was here for a year. You know, I don't have any inside information on that. I don't pretend like I have inf- informa- inside information when I don't have it. When I do have inside information, sometimes I share it. Sometimes I don't because I want, you know, I'm not going to betray people's trust. So this is not inside information. I'm just putting myself in his shoes. I don't know that I'd be coming back to Lincoln, Nebraska, just for a random visit for a place that I was at for maybe, I guess he was here a full year by the time he landed and by the time he left. Okay, because he was here, you know, through the spring as well. So a little bit over a year. So to me, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, obviously he was spotted with some former guys on the team or, some of his former teammates, guys that are on the team, so to speak. So we'll see how that plays out. But right now, I'm going to be honest, Nebraska really needs Dylan Riola to commit. They, they just flat out do. They're in a position where I've had, I don't know how many people tell me, he's a lock to come in. It's, it's pretty much a done deal. People have gone public and saying it. And, you know, I get it. You know, I'm just a little skeptical. Four high schools in four years, three different states in his four years as a high school, three different teams committed to Ohio State, committed to Georgia. Now he might flip to Nebraska, which would be great. Um, you know, those are just the facts, you know, that those aren't feelings or emotions. Those are facts. So it just makes me a little nervous until he actually, you know, it's a done deal. Once it's a done deal, I'll, I'll feel a lot different and better about it. Until then, and in this day and age of transfer portal stuff, you know, there was a lot of people who thought that Kyle McCord was a done deal. So, again, that's just kind of how the world works now. So Dylan Riola's taking a visit this weekend, all right? So we'll see how that plays out. All eyes are on the uh, <laughs> they're on the trending on Twitter for Husker fans. Is he trending? Has he signed? What's happened? So it's kind of a situation where there's not there's options out there for transfer portal quarterbacks. It's getting a little bit thin. We don't know what's going on in Daniel Kalen's head. Obviously, Kyle's out. So Dylan, not just because of his talent and ability, he becomes a integral part of this because if he doesn't commit, it's kind of like then what happens. So that's kind of the position Nebraska's in at the moment. All right. Let's see what we got here before I start to hit some of this other stuff. All right. An an interesting point here. All right. And one of the notes I've got. So what does the five-star quarterback bring with him, if anything, in terms of other players? So I do think there's something to be said for, hey, that guy's going to that school. I'm going to play with that guy. All right. There is something to be said for that. All right. You think you know, LeBron James and Chris Bosh didn't go to Miami because they knew they could win championships with Dwayne Wade. Uh, I mean, Miami's, you know, 
not a bad place to live. But they went there because they knew if all three of them were there, they could win championships, and look what happened. So it is very real that that could happen. If Dylan commits, who knows? Maybe there's some other last-minute flips and commitments to Nebraska, potentially. I'm not saying that's a lock. What I am saying is it makes a lot of sense because that's kind of how people, that's how their minds work. Great players want to play with other great players. All right. As far as a transfer quarterback, maybe a bridge quarterback for a year, it would be nice if we got a guy like that. I don't know why Matt Rule wouldn't look for a guy like that. At the same time, I w- I'm curious to see how much Chubba Purdy can improve over a year when he gets some actual reps throughout the season as well. I'd be curious to see what Dylan can do as a true freshman. I wouldn't put, hey, you're going to start expectations because I'm always, you got to earn it to begin with anyways. That's just me in general. Okay. I'm curious to see what happens. Obviously, it's a big deal. You know, Dylan, Daniel, we need one of those two guys as freshmen to commit. We probably need a transfer portal quarterback. Hopefully, Chubba stays. You know, I mean, Matt Rule brought up the – you know, the possibility of he likes, he still likes Heinrich Harburg, a guy who hasn't had a lot of time at the quarterback position. I do get the feeling if we have a couple of guys commit, I do think he's a guy that's got the athleticism, the size, the build to play multiple positions beyond just quarterback as well. All right. So here are some of the other things I've got on the docket to talk about. And I'm going to go quickly. When you look at the transfer portal rankings as a whole, all right, the top 10 teams are as such. Number one transfer portal class right now is Colorado. Coach Prime going Coach Prime. Number two is LSU. Number three, Ole Miss. Number four, USC. Number five, Auburn. Number six, Florida State. Number seven, Miami. All right. Then you got number eight is USC. The number nine ranked transfer portal class is Oregon and UCLA. Man, there is a lot of one, two, three, Four Big Ten schools in here. (laughs) Yeah, four Big Ten schools. Ironically, they're all the new ones joining the conference. It's USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington's not in here. I missed that one. My bad. But it's a majority of the new schools that are joining the conference. Colorado, then a lot of either SCC or Florida schools. Now, Nebraska is down here at 28th as far as the transfer portal class right now. Picking up a quarterback would definitely help. All right, they got 12 commits right now, three four-stars and eight three-stars, okay, uh, which only adds up to 11. The sheet I was given, there must be a, a two-star or something along those lines in that transfer portal commit class as well. Okay, now, one of the things I've not really talked about much at all on any of my shows, okay, whether it be Big Ten Chronicles or right here on the ticket, is I, some of the eye-catching coaching moves that have happened this offseason. And the one that stuck out to me the most, and I'm I'm kind of curious to see if Satterfield is still the quarterback's coach come to, you know, start a spring ball because they, they would have a move done before then. Do they move him to tight ends? Do they bring in another quarterback's coach? What exactly happens there? So I'm going to keep my eye on that. Matt Rule mentioned before the season, the plan was that Satterfield would coach tight ends, but we'll see what happens. Okay. But this move was interesting to me. All right. USC taking UCLA's defensive coordinator, Danton Lynn. Okay, UCLA's defense was a number 11 total defense, all right, up from number 89 in just his first season, and the number one defense in the entire Pac-12 last year, I might add, as well. Okay, and he goes to UCLA, uh, USC from UCLA, which is a crosstown rival, 
and a team that they beat, I might add, 38 to 20 in their rivalry game this year. For me, I was just like, wow, that's a Louisville slugger, slugger to the gonads of your UCLA right there. USC just coming in and taking your guy after you just beat UCLA with him. Okay, so that was interesting to me. All right, number two is Houston, hired two lanes, Willie Fritz. All right, now Willie's only got three total losses in the last two years combined. And if you remember, they beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. Great game, great bowl game, big upset last year. All right, to be their head coach. I just th I thought that, that was interesting because Houston had previously kind of stolen West Virginia's head coach, and then he didn't have such good success at Houston. Then he gets fired, and now they take Tulane's head coach. All right, Penn State. Seems like they're set to hire Kansas's offensive a coordinator. I mean, Penn State, their offense woefully underperformed this year. If you watched them against Ohio State, I mean, my gosh, they couldn't throw the ball past 10 yards downfield hardly at all. Same thing versus Michigan. And so their defense, in my opinion, may be the best defense in the country. I think it's either Penn State or Michigan. Two best defenses in the country. And the stats back that up, by the way. Okay. So had they had any sort of offense, and you watch Kansas the past couple of years, and I know a lot of it has to do with Lance Leipold, but you watch Kansas, they score points. So that could be a big upgrade for Penn State. And I just wanted to chat about those quick uh, coaching moves that kind of caught my eye. All right. So far this offseason. All right. And again, I'm curious to see what happens with Satterfield, with the quarterback's coach position, what's going on and all that good stuff. So the rest of this show – we're going to take a little break here shortly. All right. We got 11 bowl games that I actually find interesting. The bowl games that don't matter anymore. It like, I used to look forward to bowl season so much. It, they used to play that song. I think it was actually when I played. They, it was the most wonderful time of the year. And then they'd highlight a bunch of the bowl games that were coming up. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Now you know why I don't sing. But my point is this. I love that. And then they'd highlight, you know, like maybe the top five bowl games that were coming up that, that bowl season. And, you know, it's 10, 15 years ago. And as of about five years ago, the bowl games don't really matter anymore. And I miss that. I know we got the playoff games to look forward to next year. I'm still going to miss the bowl games actually mattering. And I blame Christian McCaffrey. I believe he was the first guy to ever sit out a bowl game. This is all your fault, man. You started a chain reaction that destroyed the bowl games. How dare you? Okay, there's about 49% sarcasm in my voice. All right, but I, I still am usually able to find anywhere between five to 10 bowl games that interest me. Okay, and I actually found 11. So when we come back after the break, I'm going to chat about those bowl games. Obviously, New Year's Six games, college football playoff games will be a part of that. And then we got the people segment to round out the show. All right, again. Call or text 402-464-5685. Send your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, or otherwise. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 